It's wonderful to be able to share with you this morning. Throughout the month of August, we've been journeying through our Praying Together sermon series, and we've been looking at how can we make prayer an intentional part of our lives and allow that transformational power of God that can only be experienced through prayer to help guide us and lead us. If you have not been here with us the last three weeks, I would encourage you on your way out, get a prayer guide. We have created a prayer guide to help you in those moments of prayer because we know sometimes there can be stumbling blocks in prayer. We focused on why, why we pray, what difference it makes. We focused on how to pray, how to pray both privately and how to pray publicly in important moments of life so that we can incorporate prayer into our whole life. And we will be continuing to incorporate prayer in an even more intentional way into the life of our congregation throughout this coming year. But I want you to know today is the final day in this particular sermon series on prayer. And we're focused on perseverance in prayer, why we need to keep praying, what difference it makes. I don't know how many of you were involved in scouts when you were a young person. If you were involved in Girl Scouts, congratulations, you have the best fundraiser ever created. And we simply applaud you. If you were involved in Boy Scouts, congratulations, you sold popcorn like the best of them. And we bought that popcorn. It wasn't as good as the cookies, but we bought it because we cared about you. Now, I flunked out of Scouts after about a year. It, it just wasn't quite my thing, but I do remember getting far enough along to get a couple merit badges. And the hope of a merit badge is that once you learn to do something, you'll continue to learn to do it. But what I want to tell you about prayer is that prayer is not a merit badge. It's not something you can get and check off the list of, oh, I've done that now. I don't have to focus as intensely on it anymore because I've got it checked off the list. No, prayer is something that's supposed to continue in life that we are always working towards. Here's why. Here's why we need to persevere in prayer. Because life's going to keep coming at you. Life's not going to stop coming at you. And life's not going to suddenly become incredibly easy. It just doesn't typically do that. Life will keep coming at you. So we need to keep going to God in prayer. Because here's what happens. Persevering in prayer teaches us to persevere in life. It teaches us that uh, when life continues to be more difficult than we imagined it would be, that there's a God who's infinitely more greater than we imagined that God to be, who can give us the strength to get through. Life keeps coming at you. Relationship issues keep coming at you. Job issues keep coming at you. Health issues keep coming at you. Stress keeps coming at you. Uncertainty keeps coming at you. And that's why we need to keep going to God in prayer. One of the ways we seek to do this here at Concord United Methodist is through our daily Bible reading plan and devotional guide. You can find those at concordunited.org Bible, or you can pick up a copy at the information desk in the lobby. It gives you a little script, bit of scripture to read each day. It's a manageable amount. And then if you'll sign up for the devotion that, that you can get in email form or podcast form, you can have someone help you go deeper into that scripture and give you a jumping off point for your prayer life 
for that day. We encourage you to be a part of that. Make that part of your habits to help you persevere in prayer. Now, what difference does it make when we persevere in prayer? Jesus told a story about that. It's found in Luke's gospel, the 18th chapter. I I want you to hear this with me. Then Jesus told a parable about the need to pray always and not to lose heart. Not to lose heart. We're going to come back to that, how easy it is to lose heart. Even when you're a Christian, it's easy to lose heart. When things don't change as quickly as you hoped that they would change. When the, the headlines today are just as bad as the headlines yesterday. How did Jesus say we were supposed to conquer the temptation to lose heart by continuing to pray, by praying always. Going on with verse two. He said, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor had respect for people. In that city, there was a widow who kept coming to him and saying, grant me justice against my opponent. For a while he refused, but later he said to himself, though I have no fear of God and no respect for anyone, Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will grant her justice so that she may not wear me out by continually coming. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God grant justice to his chosen ones who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long in helping them? I tell you, he will quickly grant justice to them. And yet when the son of man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Did Did you hear what he's saying? He's saying, this judge was a bad guy. This judge didn't care about being fair. This judge didn't care about equally applying the law to everyone. This judge was in it for himself and what he could get out of it. But simply because this widow bothered him consistently, bothered him consistently, he eventually gave in. He wore down. He granted her justice. Now what I am trying to say to you is not that you should go bother each other consistently. What I'm trying to say to you is that you should go to God in prayer and don't worry about bothering God consistently because God is not bothered when God's children come to God in prayer. God is thrilled that God has the chance to commune with us in that of the most intimate ways that we've been given to seek the face of God and that God has the chance to transform us through that time of prayer to continually go to God in prayer and it requires something. It requires faith. It requires faith that God can and God will answer. It requires faith that things do change through prayer. Prayer isn't just some meditation technique we do because meditation lowers your blood pressure and helps you think more clearly. That's a wonderful byproduct of prayer, but that's not the sole reason we do it. We pray both because we've been instructed to pray and because prayer changes things and it transforms us. We have to have faith that even when it doesn't feel like it, because It's one thing to pray when you feel like it. It's one thing to pray when God feels close. It's another thing to pray when you don't feel like it. It's another thing to pray when God doesn't feel close, when you're not sure what God's up to. To continue to go to God in prayer in those moments is something entirely different and it's something entirely necessary. If we're gonna persevere in this life, that keeps coming at us. Some of you, have seen the movie Shawshank Redemption. If you haven't, you should. It's one of the great classic movies of recent decades, and it is filled 
uh, with Christian themes within it. It's about the story of a main character named Andy who is falsely convicted and sentenced to two consecutive life sentences with no real hope for parole. He's in a prison uh, where he is demeaned and tortured uh, and also where he makes some friends. And within that prison, he figures out a plan for how he will escape. And the escape occurs uh, through almost two decades of every night him tunneling through the concrete wall outside his cell using nothing more than a small hammer about this big. Every night, every night for 20 years trying to get through concrete with a hammer about this big. But he had faith. He had faith that if he kept doing that, there could be a miracle. That if he kept doing that, that something would happen, that things would change. That's what prayer requires. That when we can't see it, that when we can't feel it, that when we can't prove it, that we have this faith. We have this faith that God will act in God's time, that God keeps God's promises and God has promised to never leave us. God has promised to never forsake us. God has promised to provide more than we could ever ask or imagine. Praying, persevering in prayer requires faith. And it takes even more than that. Within our faith, it takes something else. I want to go on with you right in the story from Luke's gospel, right after Jesus tells this story of the widow and the unjust judge, Jesus tells the story of the Pharisee and the tax collector. And he says that he told this parable to some who trusted in themselves and they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. You've, you've seen people like that. You've known people like that. Some of us at times have been people like that who we thought we were good enough and we looked at others and we just didn't understand why they couldn't just try a little harder and do a little better. Well, God knows when you're thinking that way and instead of condemning you or striking with lightning, God tells stories. This is the story God told. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, was praying thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, thieves, rogues, adulterers, and even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all my income. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even look up to heaven, but was beating his chest and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his home justified rather than the other. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, but all who humble themselves will be exalted. Persevering in prayer requires humility. It requires the humility of consistently going to God for forgiveness. Sometimes we get tired of going to God for forgiveness because we've been there so many times. And we say, hey God, can I just get, can I get like a lifetime pass? You know, where, uh, when, can I just pray now and when I need it in the future, just know that it'll just be there for me? Because 
I'm tired of having to come to you in humility. I'm tired of having to come to you recognizing how much I don't deserve what you've done for me. I'm tired of having to come to you and having you teach me through that moment when I'm on my knees asking for your forgiveness, knowing that I can't earn it, of teaching me in that moment that I'm no better than those people that I like to put myself above. God, I'm tired of doing that. Can, can we just work this out where, where I have some past that, that just gets, gets me out of this? Can, can I do something great that will, will get me to that point? And no, you can't. It doesn't work that way. Persevering in prayer requires humility. Humility to recognize how desperately we need God even on our best of days. Humility to recognize how desperately we stand in the need of God's grace on all our days. And when you don't have humility, sometimes the greatest opportunities in life the greatest opportunities to be changed, the greatest opportunities to, to see God's love in a way that, that you didn't realize could happen. Sometimes those, those pass you by. We're in that season of year again uh, where on Friday nights the high schools turn on the lights and the band comes out and performs and the football team runs out and plays a game and the community comes together for it. And one of the things I love about high school football is it is a fascinating psychological study in the emotions. Not of the players, not of the cheerleaders, not, not of the band, of the adults. The adults in the stands, it's a fascinating study. One time I was sitting there watching a, a school play and it was a, it was a small school. It wasn't nearly as big as Farragut. It had a small field. We sat down close and they had a kicker on that team named Andy. And Andy, this kicker that, that they had, uh, he was a rather skinny guy. And he came out and he kicked the ball and everybody cheered when, when he kicked the ball off. And then everybody got quiet because the first man who was supposed to tackle the guy didn't tackle him. Second man who was supposed to tackle the guy didn't tackle him. Same thing, third, fourth, fifth, and this man was almost to Andy. We held, we held our breath. And then thankfully, just before this man got to Andy, someone tackled him. But just before they were able to tackle him and get him to the ground, this man, this runner did this humble, he pitched the ball. And he pitched the ball, not to a skinny, fast guy, he pitched the ball to a big linebacker. And this big linebacker had the ball and there was no one in front of him but Andy. Andy did the best he could in, in those circumstances. He dived at the man's feet and he hung on for dear life as he was dragged 10 yards into the end zone. And his teammates came out and picked him up and he had uh, dirt and grass in his helmet and he's He's pulling it out. And there was a lady in the stands behind me. And she stood up and started yelling. And I recognized her. I'd seen her at the county commission meeting. She was very concerned about student safety. And she wanted speed bumps put on the road that led to and from the high school because the students sometimes would drive too quickly on that road. This one, very concerned about student safety. She stood up and she said, Andy, Andy. You take your face mask and you put it in his chest and you take him to the ground. <laughs> and I looked at her 
And I remembered enough of physics to know that, phys that momentum is mass times velocity. And that strategy could cost Andy his life. <laughs> and I, I, I said, I think Andy gave a great effort on that play. And she said, don't tell me how to talk to my son. <laughs> she could have gotten Andy killed with her lack of humility. Humility makes a difference. It reminded me of a lesson once again on a football field. I learned about humility. I played at a small school. Well, we weren't a small school. We had a small team. And we played other schools with big teams. And it was often the case that uh, we ended up by the second half playing for pride. We, we were no longer playing for victory. We were playing for pride. I went to college. I was able to talk them into letting me be on the team. Most likely they accepted my offer to play for them because I would raise the team GPA. And <laughs> thank you. <laughs> well, we, we were used to winning most of our games. We, the Emory and Henry Fighting Methodists. Actually, we were the stinging wasps, but we were a Methodist school. In our small division for college football, we were one of the top 10 teams in the nation. We, we rarely lost. But one day, our coaches wanted to teach us a little humility. So they signed us up to play a military academy that was a junior college that was comprised of young men who had scholarship offers to the University of Virginia Tech, to Miami University, to the University of North Carolina. They just needed a year to get their grades up somewhere else. And they took us up to play this game. And after our first string quarterback was injured, and after our second string quarterback uh, threw two interceptions and then threw his helmet, it was first in Cantrell. And I was going in the game. And, and thankfully, from my experience in high school, I knew exactly what to do. And we drove right down the field and we got our first points of the day, a field goal. And I went back to encourage my teammates to, to get some more points and none of them cared or most of them didn't care. And I realized, oh my goodness, you never learned to play just for the pride of the name on the front of your jersey and on the back. You played for the scoreboard. You played for, for the cheers. You, you, you never had to learn that lesson. You were too used to winning. You, you're too arrogant. You're too good for this. But a couple of us still cared and we went back out and we went right down that field and it was fourth down and we hadn't scored a touchdown all day. And the coach believed in us and he said, we're going for it. And I took the ball and I had an open receiver in the corner of the end zone and I threw it right over his head. <laughs> I told you, my GPA really helped the team. But we weren't too good for that moment. We knew what to do when life kicked us around. Oh, we knew how to persevere because we had humility. And some others didn't. And I remember the look on their faces when we got back on the bus. And when the coaches read to them uh, the names of the university who had coaches, of the univer major universities who had coaches scouting that game, who they had the chance to show what they could do for perseverance, perseverance in prayer, it requires that humility that I'm not too good for this. I'm not too good to go to God for the thousandth time asking for forgiveness. I'm not too good. I, I, don't, I might have been following Christ. I might have been living as 
best I could for 65 years, but it doesn't mean I'm going to know how to handle day, the next day that's coming up. It doesn't mean I'm going to know how to handle that. And I need to go to God in prayer, in humility. And then there's one other way, if we're going to persevere in prayer, that we need to learn how to pray. You may have heard this before. This is from Matthew chapter 7. This is as Jesus is getting towards the end of the Sermon on the Mount. He doesn't want to conclude until he's said this. He says, ask and it will be given you. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives and everyone who searches finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. If there's anyone among you who, if your child asks for bread, will give a stone. Or if the child asks for fish, will give a snake. If then you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask of him? Persevering in prayer requires boldness. It requires that you do ask, that you do seek, that you do knock, because there's this thing that happens to some of us. We get in the Christian life for a while, and when we first accept Christ, we pray, and we pray emotionally, and we pray fervently, and we expect God to answer, and then God doesn't always answer in the way we thought God would answer. And sometimes God's answers take much longer than we thought they would take. And we go through life and we realize that everything isn't wine and roses. And there are really, really hard things. And there are hurts uh, that uh, don't go away quickly, sometimes at all. We go through all that and we kind of begin to pray on autopilot. Or to put our prayer life on what we might call auto reply. You know those auto replies? You send somebody an email and it comes back, I'm out of the office. Sometimes God tries to speak to us in prayer and we're out of the office. We, we have stopped listening. We've stopped expecting God to answer. We've spot, stopped expecting God to ask. We're doing it because it's a habit. We're doing it because that's what you're supposed to do. But we've stopped really seeking God in it. It requires praying boldly and trusting that God will act to ask for it boldly and God will give it. Maybe not what you ask, what you want, but what you need. Maybe not when you want it, but when you need it, God will do that. I believe with everything in me, nothing I have seen in my life has contradicted that. Nothing I've ever heard from anyone taking their last breaths of this life has ever contradicted that, that God will answer those prayers. Nothing I've ever heard from anyone experiencing some of the most profound pain life can bring our way has ever caused me to decide that that's not true, that God just doesn't do that anymore. Pray boldly. I will tell you for myself when I am praying boldly, when I am intentional about taking my prayers off of auto-reply, most of my personal prayers aren't fit for the pulpit. They're very blunt. They're very straightforward. Uh, they use language that isn't eloquent and sometimes isn't even appropriate, but they're bold. They help, it helps me go to God boldly. So if you've been praying on auto reply, I want to encourage you 
And I want you to know, I thought a long time how to say this sentence in a way that was appropriate. To quit that silly bull manure. Quit it. Quit it. It's lukewarm and God says it's awful. God says it's awful because when you're lukewarm, you think you're religious, but you're not actually paying enough attention to God to hear it when God tries to encounter you. So you're actually further away than the person who knows how bad they need God and just hasn't had the courage to go to God yet because at least they know what they need to do. You've forgotten. Quit it. Quit it. Pray boldly because here's the difference it makes. Persevering in prayer makes you into the type of person who can persevere in love. That's why we do it all. Again, it's not for a prayer merit badge. It's because perseverance in prayer makes you the type of person who can persevere in love. I remember one time being gathered around a room with a man who probably had a week to live. And his, his family was there. It was early one morning, about nine o'clock, when I was able to, to stop by and visit. And he requested uh, that he be able to, to brush his teeth. And he, his son, well-meaning, said, Dad, you, you don't have to do that. We're, we're not worried about cavities anymore. It's true. He wasn't going to have enough time to develop a cavity. And his dad looked at him and said, bring me my toothbrush. I brush my teeth in the morning. It's what I do. You've never seen so many people run for a toothbrush. Yeah, yes, sir. It's just what I do. We want to be people that loving our neighbors, it's just what we do. It, it's just what we do, whether it's strategic or not. It's just what we do. It's just who we are. And persevering in prayer is how we become shaped like that. There's a great prayer uh, that many of us have, have learned. It's called the serenity prayer. I know you know the first three lines of it. That's why in our prayer booklet and when we pray it, we, we took some of the older language just to mess you up a little bit. So you'd think about what they mean. You may not know the next nine lines that, that come after that. It has a phrase in there. It says, uh, taking, living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time. Saying, God, I just, I need you to help me with this moment. And then the next, and then the next, and then the next. And that's how you do it. I heard a testimony not too long ago by a man who was part of the Navy SEALs. He talked about their training program and how almost 75% of the people who enter their training program do not complete the training. And he said, the people who do, don't worry about what's coming next in the midst of their most difficult training. They just worry about what do I need to do right now? And they trust that they'll have what it takes for what's coming next. That's how we are in prayer. God, give us what we need for today. And we'll trust that you'll give us what we need for tomorrow. This is our chance to pray that to God together. I'm going to ask you to join me in the words of the serenity prayer. They'll appear on the screen. God, give us grace to accept with serenity the things that cannot be changed, courage to change the things which should be changed, and the wisdom to distinguish one from the other, living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as the pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did 
this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it. Trusting you will make all things right if I surrender to your will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen. 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 Let's stand and sing. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Concord United Methodist Church. This podcast is a ministry of Concord United, and we would love to hear from you. To contact us, please send an email to podcasts at concordunited.org with sermons in the subject line. For more information about Concord United, including worship times, service opportunities, mission efforts, and classes, please visit our website at concordunited.org. We also invite you to download and enjoy our daily devotional podcasts presented by the pastors and members of Concord United. Finally, we would appreciate it if you would leave a rating and a review of this podcast so that others can discover it and benefit from it.